Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. My name's Justin Lee. I'm joined by Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee. Howdy, gentlemen. Hey, guys. Hey. So we're recording this on a Sunday morning. It's Memorial Day weekend, the 28th of May, 2023, and... Plenty of things to get to since the last time we all got together, including talking about the NFL draft uh, and really the Lions offseason and all that good fun stuff. An update on the Tigers, as promised, and with some riveting and uh, limited Castro um, sightings. We'll also talk about the Pistons and their offseason um, and the NBA playoffs. Uh, we may very well also get to a little bit of Red Wings. And of course, we'll talk a little bit of golf as well. All that and more coming up here on the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. So I was trying to decide what's the appropriate way to start the program today. And we've had some very entertaining conversations prior to the show today involving, um, you know, drugging cats and things of that nature but alas we're gonna <laughs> try to perhaps start with something a little um i don't know um more creative i don't have anything more creative than that uh coming up shortly though we will have yes brandon can i help you nothing more creative than drugging cats i mean <laughs> no i don't wow. have it i just don't okay. have it um I just I wanted to start the show off today. Even we're going to talk about lions first, but I just had to start with my heartfelt apology to Zach Short. Um, so, uh, as as you friendly listeners may recall, I had kind of chided the Tigers for for keeping him on the forty man roster over the uh, off season, uh, particularly at the expense of one Willie Castro, which I didn't understand. And then they went out. And they got Zach McKinstry, and I was like, well, now you really don't need Zach Short because you just got Zach McKinstry. But alas, Zach Short has been very good this season. He was playing very well down in Toledo, and yesterday he hit just a bomb of a home run in a really, really exciting game. Um, and we'll talk about uh, that a little later, but I have to apologize as Brandon reminded me of my lack of faith yesterday as we were leaving the game, he texted me that uh, Zach Short hit that home run for my benefit, and I believe that. But in the meantime... He has a higher OPS than, uh, than the Judge rest of the right team. now, and I think that's all that matters. Then who? Aaron Judge. Oh, right. There you go. So There you go. That's all taken care of. <laughs> Now that no need to add a bat. Right. Now that that's out of the way, <laughs> we can get down to some more serious business. And that is the Detroit Lions. They're going to win the Super Bowl next year, right, guy? Okay, never mind. I, I can't say that seriously. Um, but let's talk about the draft. And a peculiar draft strategy it was for our friends, the Lions, and and really a couple different camps on this. But for me, my main takeaway was, while they clearly drafted some guys that are going to help the team 
and I think probably will fit in well with Dan Campbell's scheme, it does seem like they did some reaching. And so very curious as to what you guys think. You know, what, what I think, and I, I, you know, sitting here and evaluating each draft pick and, and speculating as to whether or not there reaches, I, I committed myself a long time ago of not going down that road because even the people that do, you know, and Justin, you talked about it on the last show. I mean, it, you, we were in uh, mock draft overload and, you know, it's very clear that doesn't matter how many mock drafts you were able to locate. I don't think one of them was even remotely correct. Right. Um, my, my whole thing when I look at the offseason and the draft is um, I, I've been a, a, an observer, a fan of the Lions for longer than I care to admit. And the one thing that was always very prevailing was the, hey, we believe what we have today is good. And then we're just going to add in other areas. Now, one area that was terrible last year on this team was the secondary. The free agency, they went out and they signed a whole bunch of guys, and then they went out ahead and, and uh, drafted the, the uh, defensive back from um, Brian Barnes. Um, uh, but but the whole point being is that they went ahead and, and, and they added to that. I mean, they, it, it, they will look completely different going into the, the season. <laughs> then you look at the running back situation, and, and guys, this team had the best – rushing stacks they've had in 20 years uh, they had the best rushing they ran the ball as well as they have had in over two decades and they said you know what wasn't good enough they were not in the past that would have been good enough they would have signed jamal williams they would have, you know deandre cook would have not been traded um the, the, they would just kept with the same thing and they said nope that wasn't good enough so you know they go out and they get gibbs you know drafting uh in in and uh, then you get the uh, obviously David Montgomery, um, and then they aggressively and I, I don't think it matters in the whole scheme of things, but they went out and you know were dropping a hundred thousand dollars on uh, you know the running back from Minnesota, um, you know in, in, in post draft. And I, I will tell you that the the biggest thing I come across at this point is this team is so much physically both from a sheer physical size. And, and fitness standpoint, and so much faster. That's the thing that will be very, I think, enlightening to a lot of people, is that this team is going to be so fast to what they did in last year's draft and what they did in, in offseason and what they did in this offseason. And that's where I like the fact that there's no complacency. I like the fact that that we no, nothing was good enough, that the bar just got higher. And, I, and, and that's my big takeaway from both the draft and the offseason. Brenda? Um, yeah, I, 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 can give, I can kind of buy, buy some of that. I think, you know, I think it's a question of how, how do you choose to address the things you think are, are needs? And, you know, it's certainly unconventional to both assign someone in free agency and draft a running back. Uh, at the same time, I guess unconventional would be the kindest word I could use. Um, five of the top 20 rushers in the NFL last year were not drafted in the first round. Um, so I, I don't exactly know what a win is for Jameer Gibbs. Um, you know, five, nine running backs in the NFL. Okay. Uh, good luck. Um, you know, a number of, of, of those kind of guys have come before him. 
Uh, some have done well, some have, you know, job at best, you know, probably aren't mentally well, you know, after the beating that they've taken in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, I think on paper, you see that they were able to still address some things in the draft that were weaknesses. I'm not going to play the who's who's at like what level on the board, like was Jack Campbell worth the ninth, 18th pick or whatever. Like I, these guys do this for a living. And so, you know, even the, the sideline analysts, like I'll even give some credit to the teams. Like they know what they're looking for. They're the professionals at this, not Mel Kuyper, not Todd McShay. Like, so I'm not going to get into like the big board aspects of things, but I think it's just where they chose to spend their capital was not traditionally what winning teams in the NFL spend their capital on. You don't see a lot of running backs get drafted in the first round. You don't see a lot of tight ends get drafted in the first round. You don't see a lot of safeties get drafted in the top three rounds. These are just not economical positions. You know, they chose to spend capital where typically teams get away with, you know, picking guys up off the street or the best running back in the Super Bowl last year was drafted in the seventh round. And it wasn't even close. Uh, you know, and, and again, a, a lot of the reason for that is simply age, you know, and I guess the one thing to Adam's point is speed. And that was the other thing, too, that was evident with young backs is you do get the speed. And Jameer Gibbs, I think, ran a 4-3-40. So he's probably the fastest running back in the class, though certainly not the best. Uh, and they could have had the best if they had kept their pick. Um, and they could have drafted, you know, the, the guy that was the generational talent uh, at the position. So I, I don't think you can say they're not. And they're certainly better than they were going into the draft. I really like what they did in free agency. I just think that they could have done a lot better. I think they could have been a lot wiser uh, with what they chose to do. And the only port, the only position uh, category I will not agree with Adam in is they, to me, are not faster at linebacker. And they are not necessarily better at linebacker, in my opinion. I think Jack Campbell's a, a probably would be a pretty decent linebacker. Anzalone. I, I don't quite know what they're they're aiming for there. Um, I think they're – I would actually kind of equate them, I guess my last comment would be, I would kind of equate this a little bit with what the Tigers did uh, a year ago that really failed them, is they chose to believe that younger guys and guys that were aberrations were going to continue to do that. So if you think James Houston's worth another eight sacks this year, okay. You know, I would make much the same comparison as I made to a guy like Badu or some of, some of the other guys where you really bet the farm – on guys that I don't know if they got that in the tank. You know, you're counting on Anzalone to do quite a bit for you next year. I don't know that he's that guy. You're counting on Malcolm Rodriguez to not only do, do what he did last year, but maybe get better. I don't know that he's that guy. So, you know, I would say there's some there's some questions for them. Uh, but they're much better than they were going into the offseason, and there's no reason to believe they won't win the division. I I, I stand firm on that one. Let's talk I'm, about the I'm, – I'm puzzled, though, by what, by why, what they did. Let's talk about the free agent piece. What did you like about that? And I mean, you already touched on this a little bit of how that synced up or didn't sync up with their draft strategy, but let's talk about some of the free agency moves. Obviously Adam touched on going out and really overhauling the secondary. Jeff Akuda finally shipped off for, I think like a fifth round pick, which just kind of ends that sad legacy of sadness there. But um yeah, let, let, let's talk about those free agent moves. And maybe this is why you both are saying they're definitely a better team. Yeah, I mean, I think in my mind, they just they added a lot of depth, you know. And I don't know that all three of the guys in the defensive backfield they signed are all going to, you know, hit the way that they did, you know, in previous years. Um, but I think two out of the three might. 
and and so I think there's no they're, they're markedly better, um, and and it's almost you know sub, addition by subtraction too. I mean, and this is where I do agree with Adam's point is they assessed a position group, a couple of position groups, and they said not good enough, and they shipped them all out. Um, and while I don't see the value of doing that with the running back position as others may, they did the right thing in the way that they handled the position group in the defensive backfield, and they just all overhauled it. And again, I don't know that all these guys are going to be great, but they're going to be better than what we had last year. And putting aside the economics of what they did with Brian Branch, he adds more depth. So it's, it's, it's again, adding a need, adding a talented guy. Would I have done it in the second round? No, I would not have. But he will add depth and he, he will add talent. And so, um, you know, they, they got better. They got a lot better. Brandon, the one thing with Brian Branch, though, that I would say is that because of all the contracts that they signed uh, in the offseason, most of them were to one year contracts. Right. Yeah. So that, that that's where I think the branch in the second round does make sense um, to, to me is that if you're, you're drafting for a, a duration there versus a lot of those signings they did in the secondary were, were one year deals. Um, and I think that's that's where that that works um, in 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 that regard, right? Because I mean, Branch basically is looking at twenty twenty four being the the probably potentially number one quarterback on on the team, in, in, uh, uh based on those who they have on one year contracts. So that that that's where I would say that's uh, yeah. And I think I think that's a fair point. I would say you could probably make the same point about Campbell too, and he'll start much faster. Um, because of their needs and because of his talent, but I would kind of say the same thing about him. It's good they're going to have that guy as a starter in the next couple of years. I just question the, the capital they spent to get either of those guys in terms so, of so Brett, pre- premium positions. Brett, Brett, Brandon, I get okay. So let me ask you, what would you have done in, in what position were you going to be drafting in those particular? Because yeah. Drafting an offensive lineman useless, really, in 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 this particular team. Um, I don't think the wide receivers were, were great that were available in the draft. I understand the running back premium and, and getting yeah. later. I, I'm I'm not. And by the way, I'm not. You know, I'm not parading around telling everyone that they you know they knocked the, you know they they shocked the world and they won it and every. I'm not saying that at all. I'm yeah. still. I'm. I think of the three of us. I'm still skeptical of this team. They've got to go out and they got to deliver the, the talk. And the good news heading Dan Campbell is there. I mean, it's very clear. He he doesn't want to hear the hype, you know, and, and, but it's tough because it, 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 every day between now and then through training camp and then the start of the season, you're going to hear the media people tell the lions, Hey, you, you are good for the first time in many years. And it's going to be very difficult, but I, I'm sorry. And I asked you a question and I will be it. So no, what, no, no. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I guess to me, and my previous comment, I think lifted it up is ed- edge rusher, okay. um, either at the linebacker position or at the edge position. To me, it was just a, a big mess on their part. There are multiple guys I would have taken ahead of Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell that were on the board and would have been available to them at either position. Uh, I would have taken Jalen Carter in a heartbeat at six. Um, I would have taken Tyree Wilson. I would have taken Will McDonald. All of these guys I would have taken. These are premium players at premium positions. Um, you can get someone not as good as Jack Campbell in round three. You can't get a Jalen Carter in round three. You can't do it. it um, it'll be interesting to find out 
the, the Jalen Carter performance because you've got a yeah, guy. Yeah, for sure. And he's going to um, go to a situation that is, by the way, going to inflate his value right, right. So right. he's going to, unless he's really bad, like he's going to look real good right away because of where he's going. Um, right. No, I, I mean, to me, I never, not once, thought the Lions were going to be picking Dylan Carter. That there was nothing, there was no one they wanted in there. You know, even like the, you know, this week, oh, we're going to bring in, you know, they should bring in DeAndre Hopkins. They're not bringing DeAndre Hopkins. I, 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 anyone that knows this team knew that they were not. They're not going to bring in Hopkins. They were never bringing Jalen Carter. That 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 was a that was a no from the beginning. I think part of it is his background. I think part of it is that you know some of the commentary that started peak, you know started rising to the you know a little bit to the top there after he got drafted. You got a guy that was playing fifty percent of the defensive plays for Georgia, and of those fifty percent. The speculation that he was only trying at about 40 to 50 percent of those at his performance and the other half was very very just not and, and I, i'm sorry you're they're, they're not bringing in a guy that's not gonna and i mean to, to, to your point the guy from texas tech was the guy that i now i know he had the foot injury and, and whatnot i i Okay, we're on the same page. We're, we're on the same page. I think I'd have so. taken I I'd have taken Robinson before I, they did what they did. I would not have signed Montgomery, and I would have taken Robinson. You want a generational running back? He was the guy. He was the guy from last year all the way through this year that was tabbed as being the guy that could go out and be Nick Chubb and one of those kind of guys and be the workhorse and change your franchise. So if you do that, why not just draft him at six and then go sign you know somebody a little bit cheaper than Montgomery? That's where like. To me, my frustration was there are so many different permutations of things that they could have done differently in those, those first two picks, and that's what baffles me. I would have yeah. taken Lucas Van Nuys at 12 over Jameer Gibbs. Okay. You know, from Iowa, you know, the defensive end, Van Ness. Like, would have taken him over Gibbs. Just because it did, uh, it did running not back, I mean, you find somebody off the street. I mean. No, 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 no. And it didn't, it didn't Tyler Algiers in Atlanta, a thousand yard running back. I mean, uh, behind this line, like. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I think, but I think the thing that with Gibbs that I believe that they is, I think they're, they're wanting to be way more aggressive in terms of getting the ball from a passing perspective to, to the sure. running backs. They think that, that they, they can do that. Right. And, and, and they certainly and, need more help there after their disaster of a pick last year is now suspended for gambling. So, right. Uh, no, and then need I, more I, help there. I'll, I'll tell you, and the other thing that concerns me about this franchise at this point is as good as all the PR is, is um, you know, I sound like, I mean, they they absolutely boxed the, um, the, the this whole gambling rule thing. It's like they, they didn't understand it, or and, and it doesn't sound like that. Hopefully, oh, God, they opened up the documentation or the PDF and they started to make sure everyone was on the same page. Because it sounded like the communication for that was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. So you were supposed to do all your betting while <laughs> inside the Allen Park complex, right? right. Or at Fort I, I, I it just, it just, I, it, uh, and that's where I, <laughs> I tell you. calling his booking from the dugout. Call, you know? <laughs> now, what, one last thing. Kind of one last, be, be, before we get done with the Lions conversation, I was really shocked from friends that I talked to, how much the the emotion for the Hen and Hooker draft pick. And I I I was amazed that 
and, and the emotion was, what a complete wasted draft pick. And I thought, hmm, okay, well, we'll, we'll see. I, 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 uh, I, I will tell you, I love it. I absolutely love bringing in Hendon Hooker, period. I can completely get on board with bringing in Hendon Hooker had they secured themselves a backup quarterback. And to me, actually, for all the ranting and raving and foaming at the mouth I just did about their first-round picks, the thing that I'm most disappointed for in their offseason is their complete lack of a backup option to Jared Goff. There were two franchises last year that could have won a Super Bowl whose playoff chances were destroyed because their starting quarterbacks got hurt. And that was the Baltimore Ravens and multiple quarterbacks on the San Francisco 49ers. And so Nate Sudfeld uh, could be this year's version of whatever corpse the 49ers dragged out there uh, that, you know, Brock Purdy with like a broken arm was playing. I mean, that could be Nate Sudfeld coming to a theater near you in the home playoff game that they could have next year because Hendon Hooker will not be ready. He's not even going to touch a football until the first week of the season. And so basically you're just saying, Jared Goff, please, dear God, don't get hurt. Otherwise our season's over. And to me, that is the ultimate, unless they do something in training camp and they very well could, they could bring in a veteran guy they have set themselves up for a potential disaster. And I would have thought with how badly those two teams season tanked last year because of lack of backup quarterbacks. And frankly, you can make the same argument about the Eagles too, that Hertz was not healthy uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, and that, that, that put sure. them out of this as well. To me, that's actually the biggest sin of the Lions offseason. I'm, I'm convinced as well, by the way, Anthony Richardson falls for that pick at six. They take Anthony Richardson. I'm convinced Probably. of that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I think with Hendon Hooker, though, long term, I think you arguably have the best quarterback in the draft, uh, unless Anthony Richards can really work, you know, is able to fine tune his. I, I think Hendon Hooker's the tallest quarterback by, by a long shot. He probably has maybe out under not as good as the arm as CJ Stroud, but the second best arm in, 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 you know, and I think I, I, I just tend to think that his upside is really tremendous. Yeah. I mean, I think he's the most complete, but he's also, I think the only player taken in the draft that's old enough to run a car. So, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, you know, I, I mean, know, you know what though, with the quarterback, like position, you know, I'm just I mean, not that, no, 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 and I, 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 and that's the one thing I kept on hearing. And I'm like, well, I, I, I just with quarterbacks playing as long as they are, I'm just not that concerned about it. To be honest. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not either. I guess I'm more saying like he's had you know seven years to get his game where it is, yeah. you know, at, at the collegiate level, and so you know, I, I do take it a little, a little bit of a grain of salt. I mean, Anthony Richardson's played like like 200 plays. I mean, like he's barely been yeah. on the field. So yeah, I think there is a disparity there. I, like long term, going into next year, full year for Hendon Hooker as our backup QB, thumbs up. Like I very much on the same page with you, Adam. But you know, to me, they were making other moves that suggested they were serious about winning in the playoffs this year, including selling out the farm in the first round. Like so, then why not go out and get yourself one no, of the guys I, that's not gonna you know trip over himself in the playoffs I, I i will tell you what i told you going into or the end of the season last year the same thing is, is that I, I wish they would have been in the playoffs last year to really capture that opportunity i thought that was in the nfc and i i think absolutely nothing is granted going into the season i i you they they gotta go out and 
do it and 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 somehow hopefully Jared Goff stays healthy two years in a row, which I to your point, I again there's a little things that this team continues to do to tell me that they have not changed the ways completely. So yeah. Moving let we'll move on to the to the old uh Tigers now. So we we, we beat that so that pretty good. So all right. Fair enough. We've got the beaten dead lion. Now let's move over to uh, the tiger that we've beaten to death a few times over here on this program. And um, I I wanted to start off with a little tale, a tale of why Jonathan Scope remains on this roster, a a tale of why Andy Ibanez is on this roster, and a tale of why, in some people's mind, why Miguel Cabrera is still on the roster. And you can make different arguments for all of them, but I, I, that this has been the one thing I have seen a lot of uh, between family, friends, you know, the the Twitterverse, Reddit forums. Like, why on earth do we still have Jonathan Scope on the roster? And then, to a lesser extent, why do we still have Miguel Cabrera on the roster? Now, Cabrera is a little bit of a different story, but. My response has been, okay, so let's get rid of Miguel Cabrera. So that means we're going to give Scope more bets. Nick Maton? Um, who else? Ibanez? Tyler Nell. Corner, the corner outfielder I've been begging them to sign for the last well, two years. Well, they're not going to do that, right? It's, it's, it's just not going to happen. That, that person doesn't exist right now. They go out and trade for that person. Neat. When you look at their organizational depth, there is none at position player, particularly at infield positions. Um, Right now, they have three guys on their 40-man roster who could replace guys like Scope, Ibanez, or Cabrera, theoretically. Those guys, Wenzel Perez, not ready. He's in double A. Andre Lipsius, who, not ready, struggling in Toledo. And Tyler Nevin, playing very, very well in Toledo. So you got Tyler Nevin. That's it. That's it on the 40-man. Okay, how about not on the 40-man? Justin Henry Malloy. Playing very well in Toledo. He's He has really been outstanding. Now, the Tigers would tell you, we want him to get a full year of seasoning down in Toledo. We want him to get better at the third base position. He's been playing a lot at DH, too. Um, things of that nature. But the reality of the situation is, I'm, I'm quite convinced, this is about service time manipulation. And they don't want to bring Malloy onto the roster until they're certain he's cleared Super 2 status. And this is one of those things that's slightly obscure in baseball. But I think everybody's familiar with the concept of arbitration, right? Um, once a player gets to three years of service time, they get to go through the arbitration process. And it's kind of a graduated thing as you go through your next three-ish seasons, four-ish seasons through arbitration. But there's a class of players called Super 2s, and that threshold changes every year. So for 2022, if you have two years of service time and 128 days on a major league roster, you're eligible for arbitration after that second season. That threshold changes every year based on the average age of all the second year players. Uh, 
sometimes it's as low as 106 days, 112 days in recent past. What does that mean? Well, service time, because baseball is what baseball is, a full service season is 172 days. So if 128 days, which is the highest threshold I've seen in some time that I can remember anyway, that still means 45 days-ish of season time that, without question, if the Tigers had brought up Malloy, he was going to be a Super 2, which means that's a year sooner he's making millions as opposed to the minimum. And in order to clear the standard low end, they're going to have to wait until probably at least mid-June to be safe in knowing they can bring him up without having to pay him arbitration a year earlier. That's another year of team control, all of that stuff. And I think if nothing else that we're seeing out of this organization right now, and I think this goes into the why no corner outfielder argument is they are minding their financial P and Q's very tightly. They have spent a lot of money on other things. However, they're not willing to spend a lot of money, I would argue, in the place where it's going to count the most yet, which is the major league roster. And this is why Jonathan Scope is still on the roster. Now, has he been a little bit better lately? Yes. Hard to be worse. This is why Andy Abanez, who I like, I mean, he's he hustles and he's had some nice hits, but also made an error yesterday that nearly cost the Tigers the game. And only because the team just went and found something in themselves, which this is the good part where we're not going to be doom and gloom as they yesterday was a, to me, a turning point game, but um, why are these guys on the roster? It's because they're not going to bring up that other talent. And it's that simple at this point, they are still saying this year is not the year, which I mean, come on, it's not the year we know this but they are not going to actively make themselves better at the expense of, I don't know, a million bucks two years from now. Can, can, can you explain but, what but, this is not? That sounds here, so though? absurd, Justin. That sounds so absurd. It is like, absurd. I, like, I don't even, I don't even disagree with like, I, well, Miguel Cabrera should not be playing baseball right now. But putting that aside, like with the other guys, like, yeah, I get it. I'm not I'm not upset that those guys are on the roster. Do I wish we had better? Sure. I'm not mad that Abanez and Scope are out there. I get all that. You know, and clearly they thought Austin Meadows was going to be able to give them something a little different. No Carpenter question. got hurt. You know, Maton, like, really the worst case scenario. So I'm not even mad about any of that. I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think Carrera should be playing baseball. But they are middle of the road payroll, and we discussed, have discussed ad nauseum how much money they are going to have available to them. Like, what do you have to lose by adding another $3 million in payroll in the offseason to I'm put a better you. product on the field? Nothing. It's just – sorry, Adam. You raised your it, hand so politely. No, and I, no, no. But, but, and, and just but, the heartburn I have is that keep on you, – you say this is not the year. And I will tell you, my analysis of this team, I told you at the beginning of the year, I thought they had 72 wins in now. I definitely thought they had 72 wins. Right. And 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 I thought what was going to happen was as as the season went along, Green and Tarkelkin would really start establishing themselves as the the players 
or at least showing off some of the potential that we as fans thought they had, right? And it, and you're going to get Scooble back here pretty soon. But but my big analysis was then you're going to treat this division that. is garbage. This division true, is true, absolute true. garbage from the standpoint that and I and I will tell you I think I know at times I've been like Ooh, I don't know about AJ heads I I was getting nervous I was starting to get you know move toward the ooh I don't know if I want get I'm I'm back I'm I'm back I, I okay I got a couple broken ankles getting back on the bandwagon I'm fine with it I'm fine, I'm fine. I'll, I'll figure out if it's that problem but just that I, I can't, and that's where my problem is. There, oh well, we should trade Eduardo Rodriguez, which of course, without I question, I cannot begin to tell you how awful that opinion is on so many levels. No, it's team. it's no, no, no. You are completely and utterly wrong in this particular case. But uh, unless, unless we're just going to rebuild forever. Timeline no, twenty fifty. No. Oh, guys, come on, come on, come on, come on. Erod has an opt out after this season. You don't think he's going to opt out after the season he's having this year? Well, okay, oh, so wait, you wait, get wait. bagel for him, or you get something. Justin, you weren't going to get anything for him anyways. This going around and saying you're going to get a great player for him? No way. Absolutely When did not. I say and that? To be honest with you, I said we should, should trade. Do, they should. I don't. No, you're not going to get anything for him. You get something for him. Something. Somebody will something. want him for but the you're, end. You're not going to get. You know, it's better than nothing. Get a top 100 player? No, they're not going to get a top 100. And to be honest with you, what they should do is sign into an extension. If he would go for that, sure. That would yes, be that you're gonna have to should, overpay. That, that should be the number one option at, at, at this point, right? Because at some point you need to have players on this roster. And you're dinging on and I think the other thing I would say is that I'm very I would be very curious about the perception of Eduardo Rodriguez after that mystery. 60 75 days when he wasn't even you know with the team last year and they're really now i would imagine major league baseball the people in the know they know what happened they they, they have enough knowledge to know what happened but i would suspect too that that would tremendously hurt his trade value and i think the best thing for this organization to do is say got eduardo come in the room let's talk an extension we need you on this team and and just and, and just make it happen I really that that's exactly what should happen. If they could make that happen, that'd be pretty cool. I agree, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think he will go and want to play the market because he will make some ridiculous amount of money. Now, could the Tigers potentially go out and offer him a ridiculous amount of money to preemptively do that? Yeah, I think he probably would be open to that. To be honest with you, because he said some really nice things about the organization. And the way they handled things last year. It sounds like he would be open to that. But that's it. And I'm not confident the Tigers are willing to do that, to be honest. And that's that's the longer term issue that I was really trying to illustrate with the Malloy story. Is they are pinching pennies right now. They are stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. That's what I'm telling you about Justin Henry Malloy. There's no other reason for him to not be up in the major leagues right now when you consider who we have on this roster. Plain and simple. That's what makes me sad. What, why? I, I mean, I, do we have an inkling as to why the penny pinching is happening? 
I mean, well, there's is, only one answer to that, I think, and that's Chris Illich. Now we don't know this factually, okay? I mean, there, there, he's not come out and been like, "Damn it, we're not spending any money." I can tell you that the Illiches, much like any other very wealthy family institution, what have you, they have their things that you know they they are very frugal in many ways. I know from talking to people in the front office that Mary Nilich would go around and collect office supplies because people would have too many of them, which is not dissimilar to other people I know. Um, like, like there's this certain level of frugality. Now, how much does now, but by the same token, Mike Illich really wanted to win a world series. So he was like, let's write those very large checks to people. I don't see that out of Chris Illich. I tend to think when he thinks the team's ready, he'll actually spend. Um, I tend to think. Right now, though, I'm not seeing it. Um, so, so that was my bad news. That that was the because I have to bring the dark and the night is dark and full of terrors here first. But I, I think that there are some really positive things that we're seeing out of this team. And yesterday was a great illustration of it. And that game yesterday was a great illustration of it. And there's really two things in particular. One is um, just the absolute hustle, never out of a game type mentality. We have not seen that out of the Tigers in some time. And that partially you have to give credit to AJ Hinch and the staff for that, but also the aggressive base running Um, just outstanding base running. I don't remember the last time we had great base running on a Tigers team. I was probably a child the last time they had great base running on this team. Um, You know, I'm thinking Chet Lemon. I'm thinking, you know, guys of that ilk, Um, Ron LaFleur even. I mean, you're, you're talking a long time ago. And then the other thing to consider is the Tigers are taking pitches. And and my God, this warms my cold, dead Detroit sports heart. Because for years, I have been begging them to take pitches, force starting pitchers out of the game sooner. I mean, the other day, they walked 11 times and only struck out 10. Yesterday, they, they only struck out three times. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we're starting to see those numbers flip. And I mentioned this on our last show in Toledo, those numbers are starting to flip where they're walking more than they're striking out. And we're seeing this big increase. It's happening in Detroit now. These are really, really small, positive signs. This is how organizations turn corners. Are they going to? That still remains to be seen. But these are the little things that you want to see as a baseball fan, they're doing these things. And it means the organization for now is moving in the right direction. So that's my happy news. And, and, and highlight the one thing you just said, I think it's since May 21st, the, the uh, Tigers have walked going into yesterday's game 46 times and the next best team is 26 walks. That's so impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, I and, and to your point, I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. I, I mean, there's, I mean, between the uh, <laughs> the bullpen and the base running of those uh, Jim Leland teams, um, I, I, yeah, <laughs> ugh, woof, I, you're right, you're right. I did see a Chet Lemon jersey this morning. Very nice, very nice. So, 
But uh, no, I, I, you know what? And, and I think again, I mean, I feel like we talked about it last year, but oh my gosh, and then, you know, there were some questions about what they did with the bullpen and the transaction this year. And once again, the, the, the bullpen is ridiculously effective. I, I, I just, and, and it, it really, they're keeping you in games, right? They're giving you a chance. And I, I think the other thing, though, Justin, to your point, with the walks, with the, you know, striking, it seems like they're striking out a little bit less. Um, the, uh, you know, the offense is finally starting to get a little bit of a grip. And, of course, it helps that you're, you know, um, you know, as you look back at the beginning of the season, their first series week against Tampa, and that was pretty dark. Well, there's been a lot of teams that have felt pretty dark in Tampa. So uh, in, against that team, it's just uh, absolutely relentless. So, uh, guys, one question I, I have, and, and I mean, we're, we're starting, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a couple guys that were on this roster last year. They're not on it this year, and I think they're playing very effective baseball. And I don't know if it's something to be concerned about, whether it be a Jammer Candelario, Isaac Paredes, um, to a lesser extent, a Rex Grossman that seems to be, you know, getting a little bit of a, you know, an, on a pretty good um, Texas team. And I think part, part of what I'm talking about is that you've got pretty effective offenses in each of those uh, respects. Any concern that maybe this front office didn't make the right decision with those particular players? For me, Shrink, no. Even the, no. No, no. No, I mean, we could have kept some of those guys here, but we would have had, well, I think there's maybe a couple exceptions, like Candelario. You know, I don't, I wouldn't have brought him back. I think he is overperforming on a very bad team and good for him. Paredes, I, I don't care. You could slot another guy in, just like him with a different name on that team. He'd be just fine. No, to me, the argument is still just the same vicious cycle we're in. Talent supports talent. Don't add talent, won't develop young guys. Young guys don't hit well, don't protect older players, don't hit well. Like, I mean, just endless cycle, right? You start to get a couple of spark plugs. You guy like McKistry comes out of nowhere for a little while, helps you out a little bit. Veerling a little bit liver of a bat than some of the guys that might have been in his shoes last year. Green and Torkelson get a little bit older, and then all of a sudden they get a little bit of momentum, you know? Badu is more appropriately placed, I think, to where he is, which to me is a platoon or fourth outfielder. Perfectly happy with him there. Then you start to get a little momentum, but it requires talent, and I think that's what frustrates me about their approach is that they're just not doing that and you know i can whether they trade erod or not like i can whatever you know trade bias too if something you can get somebody to take him uh, <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the same place but he's exactly the kind of guy that will go out and hit 400 in august and september just to go get his next contract and then go bomb out you know and, and with the marlins or whatever right so you know i guess that that's my challenge is when when are you going to do the Ordonius move? When are you going to do the Pudge move? When are you going to help these guys out? You know, and if you look at the free agents next year, it's not next year. You want to spend forty on forty million on Scherzer? Okay, fifty-five million on Otani. I mean, go look at the free agents for next year when you get a hot minute. It's garbage. You're if you, you let Erod go, spend twenty million on another guy in his mid-thirties. Then that's what you got. Or you can pay Erod more than he's worth. It's just you know you want to spend twenty-five million on Strowman? Okay. You want to pay the corpse of Kershaw $30 million? Okay. That's what's available. Or you could just not add talent to the team, and we could win 80 games forever. Until Green and Torkelson get good enough that they walk out of here. No, I mean, I... I, I Wait till Coach you know, Torkelson goes to New York. He'll hit yeah, 45 well, that, home runs that, there. 
you know, and I, I, you know, when you hear people talk about Burkhoff, and I go, ooh, like a like a bad opinion because I think, especially too, and and Justin, you just got to talk about the walks. I mean, he he is really, and I know that batting average tonight, you know, I and mean, he's got to have a really good on base percentage at this point based on the number of walks he's taking. Right, so um, he, he's definitely, and, and I think in that lineup, he's never going to get a pitch to hit because everyone knows he's going to knock it out of the middle of that sweep. And I mean, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all of his at bats are perfect, right? And same thing for Riley Green. I watched a Riley Green at bat yesterday. It looked like he was racing <laughs> toward the dugout. I mean, I did. Okay, come on, relax, but relax. But but it's at the like, same just time, throw me a strike, please. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, no, and I, 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 I you, you, and, you, you try me. I'm going to swing anyways. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, what, you know, I mean, it's like, oh my God, Riley Green is a. He's channeling his inner Lance Parrish for a second. And I'm like, oh God, stop, stop, stop it. And I, 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 I understand you're young. Patience isn't there, but boy, it, that, but at least Torque, it seems like he has that, that batting eye. I guess has moments where he's not patient or he isn't seeing that pitch, but it does. I, I, but to that point, I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, if, if Spencer was in a Tampa or New York lineup, oh my God, yeah. it, it would be incredible. Incredible! I, I, he 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 has that ability. So, and I don't know. Some people don't get it, and it's really weird. So, no arguments here. Um, and you know, I, and again, we talked about this. I'm pretty sure on our last show um, that people were still ragging on Riley Green, and there is nothing you, you can't even objectively look at his statistics. Like you can to to Torkelson, you can look at his statistics and be like, oh, statistics bad, and not look at the bigger picture. Green, you can't even make that argument. Like, he's really playing very solid baseball, particularly for a 22-year-old in his second season. Well, um, but I think with Spencer Corkelson, the, the number of walks that he's taking, I think that's mm-hmm. a, a, like a pretty telling thing is that he's basically, because of where he's in the lineup, the lack of support, that he's basically never going to get a pitch to really hit. Until you bring in good players. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I, yeah, you know, you know I, I guess we, we don't need to run over the horse with a tank here, but like... <laughs> I guess what I would say in summary is if you want to if you want to take a pass on next year, more or less, and I don't think they're going to completely throw in the towel. I think they'll make some moves like he did this offseason. Um, you know, you'll see. I do think it's likely, whether I like it or not, that they do trade Erod. Uh, again, I would not. Uh, I would try to sign him. Um, it, I can live with that, but if you're not prepared to sign multiple guys over twenty to twenty-five million two years from now, then you do not care about winning. And you can fold this one up and start rebuilding again. Because when Torkelson and Green are ready, they will go get paid. And I'm just afraid that we're going to be winning 75 to 85 games in all those years. And they'll end up walking. Are, are, you, willing, are, are you willing to talk about the, the Tigers winning 75 or 80 or the next team where it's very, very, very dark? In the distance. Oh, I can't. God. I mean, I said I didn't have the strength on the last show, and I so I've mustered what I can. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you maybe, know, they, it maybe is maybe weird. They, I mean, they it's, play it's, 180 games, they can win 75. Or 150, <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, as bleak as, bleak as that picture was that the that that that, that Justin was sharing about the Tigers at the beginning, at the very least. There's a strategy, right? Oh, I mean, I, we, need, we yeah, I think your point is it doesn't strategy. need to be bleak. It doesn't need to be bleak. They're sure. choosing to make it. 
you know, and right. again, you know, I, I think the one again, I'll give him a couple of breaks, right? You thought you were getting something different out of an Austin Meadows. It did not work. I feel dearly for him. I think they'll probably address that this off season, do whatever they got to do. He'll do whatever he has to do. So, I mean, I'm going to give him a couple of breaks here, but it doesn't have to be this way. You, you could still be yeah. not even, you know, at the middle point of spending in the MLB and you could add another $10 million of payroll. I mean, we're not, and, and, I mean, he's 60 million behind the team he came from in payroll, which is not a big spending team. The giants are not, at least in recent years, a team that's throwing money out the window anymore. And they're what, like 180 million in payroll. Like, I mean, they're not even close. And that's why I, I, I it, and I think it would be a little, and maybe this is another topic for another day, but like if we weren't so historically bad in this town with sports right now, I don't think I would take such a offense. But the, the collective record of these sports teams I heard on the radio this week, I think is historically bad for any professional sports city over the last three years. We may have had the worst three-year run in the history of professional sports, of team sports for the four major sports. That's what they were suggesting on the ticket this week. Is that they had done? They had looked at those numbers, and that over the three-year period, maybe the worst ever. And so, when I hear that you don't want to, you know, hand out, you know, another five, ten million dollars to make a major league roster, that's where I just I, come on, come on, try. The Lions are trying. The Red Wings are trying. Like, give it a go. I think the Pistons are trying. They're just not good at it. Good segue to this. I, I just think they're. They're very confused. It's a. <laughs> they're very. I think. I, well, you know, and I mean, you, you didn't get the number one draft. That's right. You know, and and I think you know even, or the I mean, you got it a couple years ago. Or the number three. Or, 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 or nothing, right? And it's not like anyone is in the room. It was like they almost supposedly the report is they they like almost never like they always had to check if the Pistons ping pong ball was even in there. Fact, it takes. The, what was they San Antonio Spurs came up with the, the first three out of four balls that he drew. Like, but I, let, let's get into it. So, you know, guys, I, I, I look at this team and it, it's very, very vexing to me in terms of what what they're trying to do. Uh, and, and, and we talked about this almost at nauseum, but now we're almost right at this impasse, right? So, so Dwayne Casey's no longer your coach and it's pretty clear there wasn't much I, to me. There's not much of a strategy in terms of them knowing where they were going to turn next for a coach. I that that's that's my takeaway on that. And then secondly is I, you know, are, are you going to be able to do anything from a free agency standpoint? I mean, it, it's someone who's going to get your franchise to the next step. There's nothing out there, guys. There, there there's there's absolutely nothing and. I, I think it's cute when people talk about the 2024 offseason and, oh, well, they'll go out and try to get Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's not going to be the you, you have to go out and do something seismic in your your draft strategy or, or your, your uh, franchise strategy. You have to either figure out and go get a coach that players really do want to play for whether it be, be a chunky Billups or something like that, right? You, you, you I mean, because there is good. Uh, if they came out tomorrow and said Brandon Lee's our head coach, that's basically, I, in all honesty, that's, uh, I mean, literally, that's as much of a strategy as I'm seeing at, at this point. And I think from a personnel standpoint, they desperately got to figure out 
those second tier players, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a perfectly good example. And I, it was the name that came up and then all of a sudden he was all over the news. And it is Mikel Bridges, uh, who was with the Suns, got traded to the, uh, to, to the next. And, and Mikel Bridges is a, that, a really, really good second level player that I think that's the type of player the Pistons have to figure out how to get. But right now, even the asking price of Mikel Bridges is ridiculous, right? So, yeah. uh, I mean, so, they, but they have to do something. I mean, we talked about the, the the lines earlier, just basically throwing the rule book out and doing something kind of out of the blue, right? The Pistons have to do that. And if Troy Weaver's not the guy to do it, but the problem, it all comes back to one thing, ownership. Ownership on this team is terrible. And I really believe until the ownership changes, this franchise direction does not outside of their value continues remarkably to be skyrocketing every time they look at it. So that's that. Yeah, I um from a personnel standpoint, they are really back into a corner. I don't understand what they're doing. Um you know the it, because you know even if they get the first pick and they take Wembignani, you're still gonna have to make moves. You're still gonna have to figure that out and you do because of his potential. But from a roster standpoint, I just don't know what the play is. And I think what's going to – there's two things that are going to happen. One, they're pretty much going to stand pat, and it's going to be a mess. And they're going to have another sub-25 win season potentially. Or they're going to make a deal that people really don't like, either a free agent move or a sign-in trade that moves young assets and gets you someone like D'Angelo Russell. Uh, you know, they get you somebody like, you know, that can clearly, that can score the ball, that can do some things, you know, maybe, maybe you go a little bit cheaper than that. You get a, you know, Fred Van Vliet, you know, like, but all of these, like, they're just so log jammed from a roster standpoint that I, I don't, I think Adam's got it. I mean, they're going to have to just dynamite this. And I don't know how they're going to do that without giving up the pick in this year's draft or multiple picks in the future or during Ivy or Cunningham. I don't believe they'll ever trade Cunningham. So then it's down to Duran or Ivy and then multiple first round picks. If you're really going to turn this franchise around, you're probably going to have to give that stuff up. And so that's a big gamble. You can either do something like that to bring in, you know, like with, you know, with the Celtics. Yeah, they would probably take, they would probably give us Jalen Brown for Jaden Ivy and a couple of first round picks. You can go get a guy that way. You know, but that's what you're going to be up against. That's what it's going to take. You are going to have to you know, give up way more assets than you should to even find a position to build them. And is it you, you go out and do that first, or is it you go and find those second-tier players and then make that acquisition of the big guy? I think the problem is, is that they've already filled those roster spots and those salary spots. You know, Wiseman, Bagley, you know, you still have Isaiah Stewart. You know, you, you moved Bay, which... I didn't mind all that much, but if they had kept Bay, they would have moved Bagley, and then you would still be having the same conversation with yourself right now. You have Bogdanovich. What are you doing with them? Like, it's just they've got those guys. Like, they, they almost got those guys. Like, a Stewart could be a good second-line player. Bogdanovich is a really good, you know, kind of sub. You know, he's the best on their team because how bad they are. But, like, they have all those guys. Like, Bagley could be a meaningful contributor on a playoff team off the bench, but – Unless Cunningham and Ivy and Duran all turn a corner next year and really level up, 
you know, I just don't know how they're going to do what they're going to do with the minutes and like how guys are going to play and like how do Wiseman and Duran space the floor together? You almost have to think Stewart's going to get get let go uh, in the offseason. Like it just it doesn't make any sense. Like something's going to have to implode. They're going to have to initiate some kind of just detonation of this roster. And I'm I just and I'm, I'm even trying to think about a recent example in Detroit sports that looks similar to this, and I can't find one. Like I just I a, a team that is from a personnel and salary standpoint back themselves into a corner like this. It's really quite bizarre. But it's even more than that, right? It's a franchise that no one wants to come and play at. No, yeah. no one, no, no one. They, they've they've done, and that's where it's like you you almost need to find a coach that it will make a some sort of cultural transformation on this team, right? And maybe it's the Chauncey builds, maybe, but but in order to have it be a a place to be, right? And I don't think it's out there. And, 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 and I think your thing too, you know, you think about that, like the, the you know, the, the, in, in my mind, they did it right fundamentally when they got those three first round draft picks in 2020, right? They, they, it, it was good. They were high pitch. Problem is a lot of these drafts are terrible. I mean, that draft was absolutely terrible. They actually did good in that draft. When you look at what was in that. Yeah. And, and and that's where it's like, like even tr- and you're talking about trading first round rapid. I don't think that that's really the end of the world for this franchise. I I I, I think at some point you you've got to go out and be like some some sort of aggressive and 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 again just do something out of the ordinary to make this a franchise that someone wants to come play for. Yeah, and I think uh, you know the rumor on the street was they offered Monty Williams. Uh, an absurd amount of money, and he said no thanks. And the guys are talking about behind him are ludicrous. You know, I mean, just it might be actually the rapper ludicrous that they're actually looking to, to try to hire. Because I'm hearing Kevin Ollie's name, and I remember Kevin Ollie as a player, uh, as like a, a 10th or 12th man in the NBA, and I remember him at UConn. Uh, and yeah, and he's the front runner right now, and he got like blackballed out of college basketball perhaps unfairly i think he would sued the university and won he did win a national championship somewhere in there hasn't coached you know at the nba level in quite some time i think he's coaching like overtime elite or something and this is the guy like i mean especially with the, the coaching talent on the market right now since everybody you know decided that you know it's not good enough if you won a championship in the last five years we're gonna fire you anyways i mean like to me why don't you go get a guy like buttonholz out of milwaukee like, is he, like, you know, the cream of the crop NBA coach? Maybe not. He knows how to coach defense, though. He knows how to build, you know, a, you know fundamentals of a system. You know? Like, I, the, the defense can only get better because it Lord knows you can't get right? worse. <laughs> but, but it doesn't even make any sense because, like, especially when Cunningham is healthy, like, you know, Bogdanovich should really be the only liability on the floor. He's been their best defender at times, and that is terrifying. And and I guess just to follow up on Adam's point about drafting, like I still contend that Duran and Ivy are both all stars in this league. I just don't know they're going to be playing for the Pistons when they do it. Like what you saw to Jalen Duran as an 18 year old, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, he put up impressive numbers, and I did too. When you consider, you know, that he didn't have Cunningham with him and kind of kind of had to go it alone a little bit in that backcourt for most of the year, like. They've got the talent. They're just they just back themselves into this ridiculous 
log jam of minutes, you know, and they apparently just are allergic to wings that can play defense and score. Like they just they've got some kind of severe allergy or, or something. No, and I, I, I again, and, and there are players in the league that would be great fits for this team. I'll give you an example. Jimmy Butler would be absolutely fantastic on this team. Jimmy Butler's interest in moving to Detroit full time couldn't be any <laughs> smaller of a number. Yeah. Like negative infinity. Right. <laughs> so that's where it's like you got to be able to figure out. And and I think, Randy, you make a great point. It is it, it's not the talent on the roster as much as it's the fits that me in the in, in the way the roster has been configured. And, had they gotten that first round draft pick, uh, that, that number one pick, and got Benayama, I, I have to tell you, I don't know if Troy Weaver would have been the guy to really reconfigure this roster to do it because the overhaul that either. would be required to do it would be extremely challenging. Extremely yeah. challenging. Yeah, the guy they, they actually not- want, should want is Brandon Miller. That's actually the guy they need, which is a lanky wing that can shoot and score. And and spread and space the floor for Cunningham. Um, yeah, they but they 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 the fifth pick there couldn't be a more useless pick in this draft. Like I don't even think they can trade it down. I mean, they may be able to trade it as an asset, but like this isn't even something that somebody at ten is going to go. Yeah, I'll move up to five to take. Well, no, because no one three doesn't want their pick, four doesn't want their pick, five doesn't want their pick, eight doesn't want their pick, ten doesn't right. want their pick. That tells you where the draft is at this point, right? I mean, and and it's a terrible draft. Yeah, but I mean, they I have the top. I, I I don't I, I don't think it's not going to be like oh next year it'll be way better. No, no, and really, I mean, I I think I, I and that's where I said earlier, trading the draft picks, I'm perfectly fine with because I I just think trying to find good players is a lot more challenging. And less about draft space and more about just where they're at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's all about like what you can get in return for those assets. I think that was more of the point I was making is that right. you, if you wanted to get a Mikhail Bridges right now, let's say, let's give up this year's number one, next year's number one, maybe a conditional number one the year after, and Jaden Knight is probably what it would take, and maybe another guy on the bench, which probably is a salary dump. That's probably what it would take to get Mikhail Bridges, and I think that's the you know and. and He's a guy who's a very, very good player, maybe an all-star. Now that he can spread his wings a little bit and score a bit more. But, I mean, that's mortgaging an awful lot, you know, for a for a guy that's, you know, not, you know, he's not, you know, Kevin Durant. He's not, you know, one of those guys. So, and I think that's the situation they find themselves in. Or they're going to have to go take a chance on an also-random free agency, you know. And I don't, I don't even know if, you know, a Porzingis or a Middleton would come here like they, we even yeah. like talking. I mean, there's scuttlebutt about Dylan Brooks. Woof, woof, woof. I'm out on Dylan Brooks. Even I Brandon mean, I, Miller. I mean, he comes. He might be available at five or four because of um, the baggage. Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, from a talent perspective, I think Brandon Miller is very, very good. But yeah, maybe for the baggage side of things, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to make the play. Um, Dylan Brooks. I mean, I find him to be detestable. Um, if the team were in a different position, could I live with them signing him? Yeah, I probably could. He got scapegoated in Memphis to cover up their absolute disaster of a franchise star 
uh, and a number of other guys who completely disappeared in that playoffs. But it was easy to pile up on him because he's a moron. Uh, you know, and he was talking shit and he got embarrassed and bye, you know, go play in China or whatever. But he actually is a guy that they actually need, but they need a guy like him. They need a mean, tough, on-ball defender. They don't have one of those guys. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah. I, would I, do I, I want Dylan Brooks? No, I don't. I also heard the segment and I almost threw up on I-75. Like, when I was listening to it driving in, there was a segment about him on on the radio. Like, but that's kind of what they need. They need some of those guys, long, long defenders that can play on ball defense. And that's, yeah. We're going to have to pull, you know, plug our nose and, and, and potentially dabble in some of these guys. Is it, um, is it too soon yet to call Troy Weaver a failure? Um, you know, one of the things that we talked about when he came on board a few years ago was that he just started making moves like crazy, right? And and it has continued to just churn the roster. Um, and it seems with perhaps not a lot of strategy, hence the getting backed into a corner with the way the roster is constructed. At what point does this fall on him? Now, I don't think he's actually going anywhere. Incidentally, getting back to your point, Adam, with Tom Gores and, and what have you, but... Or is it still, is he still the right guy potentially? So, so my, my response to that is I, I would have to know a lot more about how much power Troy Weaver has in that front office versus what the, 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 the image, the, the reality is, right? Because I think the perception is he, he owns it, he runs it. I don't think that that's really true. I think, quite honestly, I think Gordon, his management team, stick their nose in and, and uh, you know, that they're, they're the reason they made that really bad trade for Blake Griffin. They're the reason that I think, you know, and, and that could very well be why, I mean, I, I'd be curious to know way more about Bonnie Williams and why he didn't want to come to this organization because I really do believe the ownership is terrible. Mm-hmm. It is terrible. And that doesn't necessarily get called out. And I, 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 I'd be, I, that, that's my perception. I, for me, about, you know, 40 games in the next regular season. Um, okay. Give him a little bit of a pass. I mean, he lost. We lost our franchise player basically for the year. Cunningham, sure. by all reports, was never healthy to begin with this year. Uh, and so you lost a legitimate number one overall pick, in my opinion, a guy who is as good as advertised, who will have, a, if he stays healthy, will have a phenomenal NBA career. You lost him, you know, and that, you know, you take any one of that caliber off a, you know, off a basketball team like that, and they're going to, they're going to have a lot of trouble. So yes. I give him that by, if this team is trending towards another sub 25 win season, I would get rid of him. Does that solve the problem that Adam's describing? No, it doesn't, but you can't mm-hmm. fire owners unless they do things egregious for 30 years and then maybe you can get rid of a Dan Schneider. Um, Smart so, shot. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right? seriously. So, yeah. You know, I, I mean, so no, with, with Weaver, you know, regardless of what he does in the off season, you got 40 games. If that team's not sniffing 500, then get out. Go. Yep. Do, do I think that'll happen? No, I don't. No. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I just—he's got to—he's got to do some things in this off season. 
I, I just think this head coaching situation is a very telling. And I think the other thing is, oh, we're going to bring that, you know, Casey into the front office. We had John Beeline in the office. I, how many people you need in that front office? And and, I, and and a bunch of people that you know are not going to be there unless they're quote unquote contributing and having their opinion heard. And 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 then you know some of these people on the, the town quarters, the management team, it's like I I, I there's and, and that's why I feel bad for a guy like Troy Weaver, who I think if he were to be dismissed for whatever reason, I I, I think he would. Because I think he's done really good from a draft standpoint, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I think he's done as good as he can do. And now it's about, you know, being able to, it, it, and, and I, it, again, I go back to the, the, the money to the point and, and why the, the uh, um, you know, the former coach that uh, from Milwaukee that got brought up. I mean, that, that should have been a slam dunk for this organization. I mean, it, write him a check and move on. And there's more guys out there too. I'm not, I'm, and not all of them are a good fit. Nick Nurse, outstanding offensive coach, knows how to develop young talent as a ring. Like, I mean, there are a number of guys that you, even guys that I don't even think. Steve Nash, I would go out and get Steve Nash before I get some of the names. Like, he got boxed into a horrific situation in New Jersey that he could, Brooklyn, that he could not. That was not his fault. Like, that was broken. Like, I mean, there are so many names. And they're talking about second assistance on mid-level playoff teams and Kevin Ollie. And I'm just like, Kevin <laughs> no, Ollie I, I that, that's might that, not that's, be one of the hundred best coaches in college basketball right now. Roger. That, like, that could, Tom Gores and his management team, and that's that's I, I it, that's so it, point. yeah, yeah. Um, real quick, Eastern Conference uh, Finals going on, Game Seven is happening tomorrow uh heat and celtics any uh any thoughts on that if, if the heat can't have they couldn't win the last three games they're not going to win tomorrow right and seems unlikely you know and i'll tell you something too is that i think the nba um i i'd be a little concerned about the nba the way it's being shaped up here right i mean i you know you, you i watched a few of the Celtics 70 picture games and and I mean whoa they were they were awful watches right then you you know you get this Durant and Phoenix Sun situation and I know they lost Chris Paul and whatever but they decided to just kind of quit and, and not play the last game same thing happened in Philadelphia in that in, in the Celtics series Joel and B just forgot how to play basketball in the last game it's weird it was the most Bizarre thing. And, and you've just seen it, right? I mean, you've seen these teams that gets close up shop and, you know, they're, the players are on their way to the Bahamas, you know, within 12 hours and, ah, well, we're, we're done. And I mean, for the money that these players are making and, and, and whatever, the, the product on the court, especially for the playoffs, it is a rough watch. And I don't, I suspect that Adam Silver does not have an answer for it at this point. And I, I get a little concerned about the future of the NBA based on the play that we saw in the playoffs this year. I mean, it, a lot of it is self-inflicted wounds in my opinion. I mean, these some of these stars are, it's really gotten out of control. I mean, the way that they are, you know, basically they are running these teams. I mean, I think a lot of the moves you saw, uh, Doc Rivers, uh, you know, are these are player-motivated decisions is because Daryl Morey has some kind of like love obsession with James Harden and James Harden doesn't like Doc Rivers. 
all of a sudden Doc Rivers is gone. I mean, and I'm not saying he didn't deserve to get fired, but, you know, Durant, you know, decided he just wants to leave again. Kyrie, all of his antics. I mean, what you saw, like, the weakness of some of these teams, like, the mental weakness of some of these teams, their inability to put it all together, what they're focused on. I mean, the Boston Celtics, on paper, should have ran over every single team they've played in the postseason. They should be going into the NBA Finals like 12-2, and 12-0. With what they have on the floor and how cohesive that team is and how well it plays together, life or death with the Atlanta Hawks, which couldn't be more mediocre. You know, the 76ers had them down for a bit, and then to go down 3-0 to a Miami Heat team that's starting Gabe Vincent and Max Strauss and Duncan Robinson is, contrib- is you know, scoring layups. Like, what on God's earth is happening? And you even see the same weakness in the Western Conference. LeBron on a torn tendon in his foot, you know, dispatches the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, the Warriors take out the Sacramento Kings. The Lakers and the Warriors are were not good basketball teams. And, like, you finally saw it when the Lakers ran into a good basketball team. They got wiped out. Like, and it wasn't even close. And that's what the Celtics should be doing. And even the Nuggets looked looked shaky from time to time. Like, L.A. could have taken a couple of those games, too, even. Like, I, I think Adam's right. Like, their really good teams are not all that good. I think about the 2018 Warriors or even the 2015 Warriors or some of those Cavs teams from five or six years ago might not lose a game in the playoffs against some of the teams that are being assembled right now. Like, it's just, they're not even close. And it's not just the talent. It's the cohesiveness. It's the coaching. It's the emphasis on defense. Like, the game is weak right now because those things are not being paid attention to. Well, again, I, you, you, I'm sorry, but and then you talk, I mean, you talk about LeBron and now the, the rumors are that maybe they'll try to get with the Atlanta Hawks and try to have Trey Young go out and play for the Lakers. I, I I, I can't imagine anything more atrocious at all. I, I mean, Trey Young is – I'm not a Trey Young fan. I'll, I'll put it at that, right? There's not many. He, I know, and, and it's funny, too, because I, I, I'll tell you, like, we talk about the Pistons, and I, I forget about and, – and this is a guy I would absolutely try to get on your team because he is a multi-tooled individual. This is DeJounte Murray. He was in San Antonio last year. He got traded over to – Atlanta, that trade never makes sense to me, guys. And But that's a guy that you could go out and make a, a decent trade for, bring him on to the Pistons, and I think it would definitely be maybe not quite Mikel Bridges, but it, I, I think if you let DeJounte Murray do his thing a lot easier without having Trey Young there, oh my gosh, I mean, that, that would be a really good trade. I think it's a, a good example in that no nobody seems to know how to construct a basketball team I mean, I think the Troy Weaver situation is somewhat of a microcosm. It just so happens that a lot of the other folks that are failing to do this are failing with much better and more developed pieces, basically. Yeah. Uh, Is that, yes, they have some of the same roster confusion, but DeJounte Murray and Trey Young together are still good enough to kind of limp over the playoff finish line, if you will. And the Pistons just don't have those guys yet. In two or three years, Cunningham and Ivy, maybe, whatever. Um, but I, yeah, like no one knows how to build a roster anymore. You just have these like weird pairings that make kind of quasi sense. Like everyone thought that Kyrie and Doncic together would be some kind of elite pairing because of the pick and roll play. And we're playing it. Like, no, they're not. They can't defend. Like they're old, or at least Kyrie's old. Like 
they're just like just like the NBA is now about mashing guys that it sounds fun to talk about together. It's like everyone's playing like NBA Dynasty on like the PS5. Like, oh yeah, that seems cool. We'll put those two guys together and it'll just work. Right? <laughs> like there was no other than the Durant move, the Warriors didn't do any of that. Like there was no it's sexy to have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry together. No, they actually focused on how the pieces would fit. And those guys became what they were. And yeah, Curry is a generational talent, but like they built they built the roster they needed to be successful. They didn't focus on just star grabbing. And that's all it is now. Like I actually don't even think LeBron and Anthony Davis are that good. Like maybe LeBron ten years ago. Look, like another guy that for I mean he he'll play great and he'll forget he won't even know what a basketball looks like. No, and he looks so <laughs> confused and the unibrow doesn't help because his whole face goes up at the same time. Like he should just be arching one of them, but then both go up and you're like, wow, how confused is he right now? And it's like and it's like the defensive, you know, the best defender in the NBA and an overweight Serbian or whatever is just like destroying them. <laughs> is he an interior decorator? He is. He should be. <laughs> and he's the best player in the NBA right now. He can't play defense. Yeah. You know, all I can really think of is all of the major sports go through cycles like this. And what's interesting is, is it systemic or is it cyclic? And because both have happened over the years, major league baseball had to make some changes because they had systemic issues and still do, but, but made some changes this off season that I would argue were very, very good. The NHL did things uh, 20 years ago, very similar, uh, you know, like eliminating the two line pass and things of that nature. So it'll be interesting to see over the next X number of years, do things change back? without any outside intervention or are is the game going to need to shift i think the one thing i think that's the right question i think the issue i'm having is that there were structural rule-based issues that were holding back some of these other sports the Mm -hmm. nba has a player the players don't seem to want to play like there (laughs) is a guy right now sitting at home and has been sitting at home by his own choice that could be a defining talent in the NBA, and that's Zion Williamson. And he's not even playing basketball. And doesn't seem any interested in playing basketball. His team made the playoffs, and he was like, I'm good. I'm just going to hang out here and not play. You know, and I don't know how much he got paid when he was at Duke, and maybe it's enough to tie him over. I, <laughs> I don't know. But the guy doesn't want to play. And when you watched him on the court, you couldn't take your eyes off him. He was another Steph Curry. He was another LeBron. I'm not saying he was as good as those guys, but, like, he played with so much force and strength. Like you couldn't take your eyes off of him. It was like a shorter Moses Malone. Like he just dominated around the rim and like all of some of these, and just like the idea that he doesn't even want to take the court. Like that's a player problem, you know? And then all these stars dictating, like the, the stars are now the GMs, you know? And I'll give LeBron a pass because of who he is and what he's done and his track record and building rosters and, and contributing that. But the rest of these guys, no, they don't know what they're doing. They're just like, yeah, pair me with this other star and everything will work great. And no, you go out and you you actually play teams that are well-formed together and they can beat you even with less talent. And that's why Miami could still knock the Boston Celtics off. And they are nowhere close in talent. They are not in the same stratosphere of talent. Jimmy Butler is an outstanding player, but so is Jason Tatum. Tatum's just as good as Butler. 
Jalen Brown is leagues better than anyone else on the Heat and go on and on and on down the roster. But the Heat are built the right way. LeBron is is the exception, not the rule. And without question, the other thing I was thinking about Zion Williamson, he's made, um, I don't know, about 18 million thus far. And he probably learned a thing or two while he was at Duke. And just like, you know, I can actually live on this. Huh. Weird. We've seen that happen in other sports. I mean, sometimes this is the way it goes. Um, But We'll have to wait and see. Be like if, I, you know, if four or five years ago, Connor McDavid was like, hmm, yeah. I could play. Oh, really you know, my foot's kind of sore. <laughs> I don't really like the team I'm on. It's not great. I'm just going to sit out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to take a pass. Good luck, guys. I'll be rooting for you. <laughs> I mean, it's basically that he's the equivalent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like he's the number one all, number number one overall pick, mm-hmm. and he's played twenty nine games in the last two years. I think something like that. Yeah, something crazy like that. Yeah. And he was averaging like twenty ten as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we wrap things up, uh, U.S. Open's coming up in a couple of weekends. Um, any thoughts uh, heading into that? Well, I think the, the you know uh, the the news from last uh, two, two weeks ago now with uh, John Rom or not John Rom uh, Bruce Kepka winning, of course being a first LIV tour player to go ahead and, and uh, uh, it was last weekend. Um, but to, to go ahead, I thought that was uh, I thought what was notable was there wasn't as much of a big deal that was played to it. Uh, and it seemed like from a player standpoint, I, I do think that. The PGA Tour players are understanding that the LIV Tour was a very lucrative thing that happened because of the, the purses that have skyrocketed in the PGA. Um, and they, you know, th- those players that went there accomplished exactly what, you know, you would hear like when the, the baseball, Major League Baseball Union is, is saying, hey, we want to see the books. And of course, the owners will continue to cry poor, right? Even though the franchise have skyrocketed and, and whatever. The, they had out. And, and and the books and the books ended up i guess really looking like hey we, we we've got yeah tj tour does have a lot of money we, we figured it out so um i think there's gonna be less excitement about that going forward first the u.s open you know it's gonna be the same names right it's gonna be your scottish chef where it's gonna be john rom and i know rom didn't play very well pga but um i i have no doubt that he'll 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 be right there. I, I'm curious if Rory McIlroy will be able to bounce back here pretty soon. He's not played very well at all in 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 any of the majors. Um, but you know, your your normal you know cast player Patrick Cantlay, uh, uh, Kyle Morikawa, your those guys will end up being in a position um, to to definitely compete. Uh, you know, and and um, we'll 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 see if. Uh, you know, the, the, the latest phenomenon in golf, though, is Michael Block, who, of course, he was top 15 last weekend. Um, he's PGA Pro or, pro, or uh, PGA uh, uh, Course Pro from Mission Viejo, California. Um, and, you know, it was, I, I don't know, his, uh, he, he definitely was enjoying the moment. I thought it was pretty authentic. But then coming out and saying that the only difference between him and Rory McIlroy was the length off the tee. I, I, I somehow knew that before too long. 
he would allow be, be, be fame to get to him and start because he just seemed like a guy that was ready to start shooting from the hip. And finally, it did happen. Uh, I, I'm curious because he, he most likely he, gives this is 40 time. So I, I relate. <laughs> no, 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 you're actually, and, and I guess uh, uh, I, I'm curious. I run about, a 40 minute 40, he runs a 40 minute. <laughs> <laughs> the same guy, basically. You know, give me that speed for the first hole, and I'm good too. <laughs> It'll be curious to see how that story ends up. I'm fearful that it will turn out bad. I don't know why. I just I hope it doesn't. But he probably I don't doubt that he might even get an invite to the Rocket Race Classic here in Detroit. He would actually, I think it once he got it, you know, a night of sleep. I don't think he had a night of sleep going into the colonial this weekend. Um, you know, I, I, it'll be curious to see if that is definitely a shorter course. I think he might actually be able to do something here if he's as good as he claims to be. Um, but that's the thickest story to watch as we kind of proceed uh, down in the world of golf. So, yeah, I mean, I think the one thing it was one, it was fun to watch. And I watched the 15th, the one, the on one live, and that was incredible. Uh, and it was very fun to watch. Like, somebody had the scrambling that he did, you know, uh, on the last day of the tournament to, to get where he got. And his, like, his, like it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a Cinderella moment, you know, for him. You know, I think one of the things that his performance at, RBC highlighted, and I, again, I know he was running on no sleep and all adrenaline. He wasn't going to do well anyways, but he finished in dead last. And I think what people don't understand is how good the 225 guys on the PGA Tour are. Because, you know, these are guys that even the worst of them, you know, can drive the ball 50 yards longer than him and do all the same things that he does on the course and better. You know, and that's and he's still one of the best golfers in the world, right? But these 200 guys, like just how good they are. Um, and I think that's one of the things that if he continues to play and get the spotlight, you're going to see him put up plus 15, plus 10s, plus 20s on some of these courses, and you're going to continue to see that separation. And so, you know, I hope that was a, for people that are astute and paying attention. I think it's an important thing to watch just to see how good with the product you're watching is um, compared to what it could be. You know, as far as lives, like I think that product is terrible. Uh, personally, from a spectator perspective, um, I have no interest in watching it whatsoever. I do think Adam is right about what it did. I think the only problem is who's backing, right? I mean, the means don't justify the ends. And I think that at the end of the day, that's where Liv falls apart. But no, they have opened up the PGA. And I think and the end, the end result is positive in that regard, but the means are questionable. And, and I will continue to, I, I think, you know, the, the narrative I gave before Liv was I thought the PG Tour was offering potentially the best sporting entertainment value out there. I still, I think they're resuming that again. I think they took a big hit with the LIV Tour last year because of the controversy. I do think what golf is able to provide uh, with the talent level, with the stories, with the personalities, um, it's, it's definitely there, right? And uh, um, I, I, I think it, they can resume that that upswing again. Uh, and I think that's important for the PGA Tour because, um, I, I mean, quite honestly, their TV ratings are pretty good. Um, mind you, their the ratings for the PGA were really terrible after an unbelievable Masters rating. Um, that'll be something else to watch as well uh, is the TV ratings and, and how they're impacted, I think, you know, so... Again, plenty to watch as so, uh, we, we go in, and there will continue to be the uh, you know the, the 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 events that are getting giving anywhere from ten to twelve million dollars you know to, to for for winnings, and uh, 
uh, yeah, the, the 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 money in golf is definitely skyrocketing. So, yeah, and I mean, like, they're gonna have to figure this out again in a couple of years because live, I don't think it's going to survive. I mean, correct, correct, they're, they're, it will not survive. Yeah, their TV ratings are already atrocious. You know, like they're they're not even coming close. Like their Sunday broadcasts are getting three, four hundred thousand people. Decent tournaments on the PGA are still drawing millions. The really yes. good ones are obviously drawing, you know, a lot more of the majors and all that. So, like, this is a fad. It's going to go away. How are they going to reintegrate these guys in a couple of years? And how are they going to keep the momentum going, you know, from a, a payment perspective to keep that keep that going? You know, because a couple of the, the loud mouths on the tour, they're going to all be gone. Garcia is going to be gone. Mickelson's going to be gone. These guys are going to be on the Champions Tour or whatever. Um and so, you know, that that's not going to be the present the pressure anymore. But how are they going to how is the PGA going to reassert its identity once Liv is gone? And not just kind of float along as it was before. Yeah, so, I think Tiger's going to be gone too. Right. No, I think when um when you're talking about I, I think where Mickelson the 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 in the end, I think his choice there was probably arguably correct, right? Um where I think long term it was impactful is I think he could have easily been a TV star and he chose the path that he did right and and that TV opportunity is is vanquished at that point so um, that that's where we're at, so but you know I like I agree with you I think the like he probably thought he can still play and the crazy thing is he can still play like he's he was competing I mean at the Masters and like he. I don't know how he finished. I actually didn't follow how he finished at the PGA. But for a couple of days, he was in there. Like, and he will come out at some of these other majors, and he'll hang around. And so. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. He was toward the bottom. I mean, he, he made the cut, but he didn't uh, do well. But Oak Hill was, uh, <laughs> was not easy. So. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up. For this one, I just want you to know that uh, Mohammed bin Salman finds your lack of faith disturbing and invites you to come visit him at a, at a embassy. And don't yeah. uh, wait. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry, can't help it. Um, so, with that said, uh, you know when we uh, revisit this in a few weeks, uh, obviously we'll very likely. Uh, have the U.S. Open to talk about. Uh, Stanley Cup finals should be done. NBA finals should be done. Uh, so we'll be just creeping up on off-season uh, free agency opening up in those leagues so we can start seeing what's going to happen, see if the Pistons actually have a head coach, uh, get a little bit more uh, idea of what's going on with the Tigers. But we won't be far enough into the year to really understand what they're going to do uh, just yet, I don't think. And then um, we'll talk about the Red Wings. We have not talked about them in a little while. Uh, we definitely need to uh, touch on that a little bit. So with that said, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of the Saturday Morning Sports Emporium. For Adam Swenson and Brandon Lee, my name is Justin Lee. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>